Good morning, CLC. Happy Sunday. Uh, it's been raining over here where I live. And the way I see it, if you want to see the rainbow, you got to endure the rain. Amen? Especially during this pandemic. If, if you're joining us for the first time, we welcome you. We are so glad that you could be with us this morning. And for those who are our regulars, hey, what's cooking? All who are good looking, even though you just woke up. You know, uh, some people like my wife feel the rain while others just get wet. So this morning, as we worship virtually, I pray that the Holy Spirit will rain down upon our lives wherever you are. Whatever situations, the circumstances that you're going through. You know, last week, celebrating for Mother's Day, we had shown a video, and I just heard that it just got nominated for Best Pictures for next year's Oscar. I mean, you have all the new and old characters of CLC that captivated the hearts of the audience. And I personally love the part where a little girl said, Thank you, Mom, for reminding me to take my showers. And her brother looks at her and reminds her and nods his head. Yeah, Mom, thanks. And the sister goes, whatever. Or what about where Ethan says, thank you, Mommy. I love you for giving me the best smoochies. Now, oh, now if you don't have any ideas what I'm talking about, be sure to type in Layman Church on your Facebook or go to the Internet and type in ChristianLayman.org. That's ChristianLayman.org to see it for yourself. Now, for those of you guys who don't know me, uh, my name is Pastor Ben, and I am the newest member on the pastoral staff team here at CLC. And I want to take this opportunity to extend my deepest gratitude to all the CSCers for welcoming me into the body of this Jesus Christ. You know, I mean, I've never been part of a church where so many people were emailing me and calling me. And, you know, I don't know how you got my number or my email, but I'm so glad you did because there were a lot of congratulatory welcomes that were headed my way. You know, at first, I was in disbelief, thinking, this can't be right. People can't be this nice, can they? Do they want something from me? But being on board for just two weeks, being connected to a home group, I sense that the body of Jesus Christ, this body of Jesus Christ is very special. And it seems all of you are really, really trying to live out your faith. And now, since we're on the topic of living out our faith, isn't this the central message of James? James is concerned about our faith producing no fruit, so that he reminds us that faith without actions is dead. Or, I put it, faith plus nothing equals nothing. Now, James writes to encourage his readers to live constantly with what they have learned in Christ. He wants his readers to be mature in their faith in Christ by living what they say and what they believe. But we all know 
that this can be very challenging. You know, this week in our staff meeting, Pastor Andrew shared with us this thought. He he said, doesn't our lives seem so blurry as our days bleeds into the next without any distinctions or any boundaries? I mean, we wake up, we eat, we cook our meals and stay home to go to work. Our lives have been so much revolved around our homes that we even exercise in our homes, take virtual vacations from our homes. And I even read an article where people are now learning how to change their engine oils, engine oils from their homes because a lot of their neighborhood shops are closed. Now, what am I leading or what is all this leading up to? Well, if we're not careful being stuck at home, not being able to recognize what day of the week it is, becoming procrastinators, spending way too much time on our computers or watching way too much Netflix, and can make us desensitized from our reality. Or walking around the whole day in our pajamas or feeling anxious and worried and feeling unmotivated because we feel our lives aren't normal anymore. And with this, this overwhelming reality that we seem to just give up or just let go and put everything on a hold, even our spirituality. But God is not on pause. God is still working. Or or what about some folks not being able to attend weekly services or gatherings? It seems that we have disconnected our spiritual plug from God's outlet. You know, someone once told me that it's not the sins or doing the wrong things that makes us distance from God, but it's also being unmotivated and being lazy in our spiritual walk that can make us also distant from God. You see, moving what we know from our head to our heart is merely the exercise or exercising what we believe or living out our faith. And that's why D.L. Moody once said, the Bible should be bound in shoe leather because it should be walked in it and also live it. So I want to ask you this morning, has COVID-19 become a killjoy or become your kryptonite limiting us from or robbing us of the things that we are to do? No, what we love to do. Those who used to usher on Sundays, those who were on the hospitality team or the mission team or the social justice team, or what about those who taught in our Sunday school? Has COVID-19 put a damper in your spiritual walk? And if so, James gently reminds us this morning, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, and I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, it is dead. 
but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. You see, in the days of James, there were issues of those who professed to be Christians and yet lacked the qualities of it. So, in other words, if you want God to move the mountains, we have to have the willingness to pick up our shovel. And that's why, I think that's why he created us to be his instruments, his tools, and his vessels to be filled with his heart and his desires. And from my wise mother used to say, son, Great faith is never birth without great labor. Now, can you repeat that after me? Great faith is never birth without great labor. You see, great faith is a product of a great fight. Or great testimonies are the outcome of our great tests. And great triumphants or triumphs can only come out of great trials. Amen? Now, but those of you guys who just said amen to this, do you really want trials? I mean, who really wants great faith when it's going to cost us great labors, right? So then it's no wonder the scripture encourages us to look at the farmer as an example. You know, when Paul tells Timothy to be strong in the grace of Christ, he he points specifically toward the hardworking farmer in 2 Timothy. Or when he exhorts the Galatian churches toward endurance, he speaks of perennial planting and patient waiting for an inevitable harvest in Galatians chapter 6. You know, I think the farmers knew what it took for a great harvest. You see, farmers know about great labor persistence. You see, it may have taken the grace of God for the prodigal son to come to God, but it took the humility and his obedience, obedience in following God's word to become his disciples. So once again, James reminds us in James chapter 1, verse 22, 25, but be doers of the word, and not just hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is hearer of word and not doer, he is like a man who looks intently as natural faces in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, perseveres, and being no hearer, who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And then you know, what is a good way in which we could really, really know where our faith lies? Do you know how? Seeing how we treat one another or the concerns that we have one another. You know, as we are living in the midst of this coronavirus or COVID-19, As we hear that people are being laid off or unemployment has skyrocketed, I want to ask you, how do you feel? Or once you feel compassionate for those people who are panhandling as we exit off a freeway, but now maybe being sheltered in our homes, 
isolated and from the outside world? Could it be that we're becoming callous to what's happening around us? You know, wait a minute, Pastor Ben. You know, I'm going through some hardship right now. I'm going through some difficult time financially. Now, because we're human beings, we have the tendency to look after our own needs first than that of the others. But once again, I want to share with you, a greater faith is never birthed without great labor. A greater faith is never birthed without great sacrifices. And we give not because we have plenty, but we give because there is a need. A need in this world, and God commands us to do it. You know, while Americans have been ordered to be sheltered in their place, as the death toll of COVID-19 has risen to almost 90,000 this morning. But how many of us are aware that about 25,000 people die every day from starvations? Yes, from starvations and malnutritions. Did you know that that a child dies every 10 seconds because his mom or dad cannot put any food in his or her little tummy? So they sit there dying a slow, painful death from salvation. You know, last week, uh, one of my friends who rents out a church building for their ministry in San Leandro, where three other ministries share the same building on Sundays. The Caucasians goes first, the African-American goes next, then it's the Korean population, the Korean congregation, and at 3 o'clock, 3 p.m. in the afternoon, the Hispanic congregation comes in. And then he tells me, you know what, Ben, uh, during this COVID-19, this pandemic, the Hispanic congregation's giving has diminished, that the senior pastor and his family are starving. Now, when I heard this, I said, wait a minute, you mean they have no food to eat? Or they just don't like the uh, food in their refrigerators? And he replied, no, they had ran out of food two weeks ago. And they've been relying on their local food bank, or if they don't have the food, they just go to sleep hungry. You know, when I heard this news, my initial reaction was, oh, man, how can I help? But I'm struggling for myself also. Then I went into this realization or rationalization mode. I don't have the time, nor the money, let alone, I don't even know this person. Lord, let someone else help because I'm not in the position to help. But you know what? The Lord was tugging at my heart. And he reminded me of the time when I was hungry and I didn't have anything to eat. And how God provided me with his provisions through the hands of others. So the only thing I could do was to begin to pray. And I reached out to my friends, and you know what? So many of my friends were willing to empty their pantries, and people started to donate. And so on last Wednesday, me and my friends dropped off the food and the donations to the pastor's family. And as I was driving back home on the 580 freeway, I felt this great joy, this spring of life overflowing out of me. And I began to sing a praises aloud. 
And as the onlookers that drove by probably thought that I was a little bit crazy. But you know, as people of God who's been touched by his grace, I feel we need to be a little crazy sometimes. And James is encouraging us today to touch the lives of others, especially the lives of the widows and the orphans. And so he says in James 1.27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the orphans and the widows in their afflictions and to keep oneself unstained from this world. You know, but why the orphans? Why the widows? Lord, why is social justice so important to you? And why it needs to play a big part in our church culture? I began to ask, and Lord kind of gave me the answer. So would you turn with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 58, verse 1 to 2. Now, you know, for the, for the remaining of the time or, or, or spending the, the less time, I, I want you to read the whole entire chapter by yourself through verse 14. But I want to introduce to you why social justice is so important to God. Look at verse 1 and 2. Cry aloud. Do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgressions, to the house of Jacob's their sins. You seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me the righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. You see, if you look in verse 1 and 2, God is describing certain kind of people. He's describing them by saying, they are my people who try to seek me daily. And those who try to do righteousness. And if you take a closer look at verse 3, why have we fasted? You have seen not. Why we have humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it. Behold, in the days of your fast, you seek your own pleasures and oppress all your workers. You see, these people even fasted on certain festivals. Sounds familiar? In other words, they were fastidious in their religious observance. You see, they fasted, they offered their sacrifices, they even went to worship services on the Sabbath. But I want you to take a closer look at their motives because it wasn't just a burst of enthusiasm on certain days, but it says that every day they were faithfully religious. And they wanted moral and ethical ways to know God. And this is what, what was so starting to me when I first read this passage. And I can see why the people of Israel were so alarmed or surprised too. You see, and people of God in the book of Isaiah thought they were doing all the right things as religious folks. But... This is what God says to them in verse 5 through 7. A day for a person to humble himself is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him. Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? 
Is it not this fast that I've chose to loose the bonds of the wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see them naked to cover them, not to hide yourself from your own flesh? You see, if you think you have a right relationship with me, that's why God is saying, and don't have a right relationship with the poor and the press. And God is saying, you are sadly mistaken. If you don't have a relationship with the poor and the oppressed, and God is saying to us, to them, you don't have a right relationship with me. Now, when I read it, what a bold statement from God, huh? Now, here they were thinking that they've done all the right things to make God happy. But they were so surprised by God's reaction. Now, why would God say this? Have you ever thought of what was in the heart of God? I mean, what is God trying to say or to relate to the people of Israel? And do you know that this isn't the only place that God says this? Because if you take a look in Zechariah chapter 7, verse 8 through 10, he says something similar. And the word of the Lord came to Zechariah saying, Thus says the Lord of the hosts, Render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourners, or the poor. Let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. Why? Why would God go down to this path of social justice? Well, do you guys know that the answer is found in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 31? And this is what God says. Whoever oppresses a poor insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. Do you know what God is saying here? He's saying if you insult the poor, you are insulting me. Or what about Proverbs nineteen seventeen, where he says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deeds. And do you know what God is saying? God is saying is that if you give to the poor, you are giving it to me. You know, you see often in the Bible, God identifies with the people at the bottom of the social ladder. God says over and over again, I am the father to the fatherless, husband to the widows. And over and over again, God identifies with the poor and the oppressed. And do you know how radical that statement is? And did you know that all history, historians have shown us that, that no other gods in history of mankind has done what our almighty God has done? You see, our almighty God has came down or come down from heaven to be with us, giving up all he had, all of his riches, all of his glory so that we can have life and life. To the fullness. Layman Church, there are only there, there are only needs that we can see. Some hands only we can touch, and some people only we can reach. Let me repeat that. There are only needs that we can see. 
some hands only we can touch and some people that only we can reach out. You know, my mom has been a widow just over just two years. And honestly, it's been a rough two years for our family. And the last time that I went to SoCal to see my mom, she said something that it didn't resonate or register in my heart until I was preparing for this message. And this is what she said. Son, do you know the only person who understands what a widow goes through is another widow? The only person who truly understands what a widow goes through is another widow. Only a true orphan will know what another orphan will go through. You know, I know what hunger is. While I was a missionary in Thailand, there was a period of two weeks where we didn't have any food in our house, in our mission center. Now, for me and my wife, it was okay to go hungry. I mean, we fasted for longer than two weeks before. But, you know, I will never forget the cries of my own children, my very own son and my own very own daughter, crying out for food so that when I returned back to the state, I really wanted to make a difference in, in child hunger, that I started to support Compassion International, that I swore that I will be on the forefront of this child hunger. Now, being a Korean-American pastor, I found out in 1952, a pastor by the name of Everett Swanson first developed a special sponsorship program for individuals, families, and churches to help support the Korean or orphans for a few dollars a month. And this organization has been Christ-based, church-based, and children-based. And as I gave you the PowerPoint, this organization is called Compassion International. So when I came back from Thailand, I started to support. I became a spokesperson for Compassion International. But as the days went by, months and years, as my life became comfortable, I've neglected. I missed one pledge. Two months led to three. And here I am in 2020. And God reminded me again of the promises that I made some 20 years ago. So do you know what I did this week? I went on the line of Compassion International and I signed up for a child, one child in Thailand. Now, some of you may be asking right now, Pastor Ben, there are so many needs in this pandemic. I don't know what to do. And who do I help? Because so much need has been revealed so that I don't even know where to begin. Or if I can make any difference, well, you can. You can make a difference. We can touch the lives of one child or one widow. Uh, there was once an old man who had a habit of early morning walks on a beach. One day after a storm, he saw a human figure in the distance moving like a dancer. As he came closer, he saw that it was a young woman, and she was not dancing, but she was reaching down to the sandy beaches, picking up a starfish, and very gently throwing back into the ocean. And the young lady, he asked, why are you throwing the starfish back into the oceans? 
the young lady replied, the sun is up, the tide is going out. And if I do not throw them back into the ocean, they will surely die. But young lady, don't you realize there are miles and miles of beach and starfish along the beach? You can't possibly make a difference. The young woman listened to the old man politely, paused, and then bent down to pick up another starfish and threw it back into the sea, past the breaking waves by saying to the old man, well, at least I made a difference to that starfish. You know, people of CLC, God is not asking us to solve the world's famine crisis, nor is he asking us to feed all the orphans or to help out all the widows of the world. But what God is asking us this morning is, do not let the passion and your faith go on pause. You know, I've learned that the opposite of love is not hate. It's indifference. It's not caring. So as we spend more time with God today, I pray that God reveal or God may reveal that one person, that one hand, that one organization that you could only touch because God has touched you first. If you can't think of one, I suggest that why don't you sponsor a child through Compassion International today? You know, as I close, I want to leave you with the pleading words from 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. And this is what it says. Dear children of God, do not merely say that we love one another. Let us show the truth by our own actions. And dear children of God, let's not merely say that we love one another. Let us show the truth by our own action. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so very much that you've caused us to come into your presence to be your children. Father God, what's so amazing is that you've left the glory. You left the amazing heavenly realm and yet you came to us to touch us. And being touched by your glory and your grace, I ask, Father God, that we would touch others today. Father God, in this, this uncertain situation, in this pandemic that we're facing, Father God, I ask that our spirituality may not be on pause. As you're not, you're still moving, you're still working. And I ask that, Lord, that you would use us, Father God, that we will be used by you to further the kingdom of God. Father God, what an honor and a privilege it is, but more so, what joy it is to be at your helm, to be able to be alongside of you, to, to, to go and further the kingdom of God. Father God, once again, thank you for touching us so that we may touch the lives of others. Father God, I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.